What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. And as usual, very excited to be here with everyone today and, and looking forward to another great conversation. I got my people live with me here and good to be here with all of you. Uh, to those of you joining on the podcast, we'll be hearing the recording of this. Hello to you and thanks for being with me on here. And uh, just wherever you are, however you're receiving this message, sending you so much love. And I have a topic today that um, I've been looking forward to speaking into And uh, what I really want to talk about today is is how when I like you or when I'm interested in you or when I'm attracted to you or when I have a desire for something with you, that does not equal a free ride in this relationship. It doesn't equal, um, you know, you have your way with me. And I've just, I've been reflecting as I was getting ready to speak about this and, you know, whether I see it in, you know, the comments on things I post or whether it comes up in the questions in my program or, you know, I've seen it in my past and in my experience with, you know, other relationships I've been in. But there's this theme that when we like someone, when we want something with them, when we desire something with them, there's a theme of us kind of handing our power to that person. And I want to talk about today how to be completely authentic, completely true to what's real for you, being able to communicate that and honor that in the relationship, being able to let other people know like what's real for you, but doing all of this without giving your power away. And I think, you know, to to start out, I just want to say that one of the most powerful things you can ever do with someone you're dating or, or someone you're interested in is one of the most powerful things you can ever do is be honest with them about what you're feeling. It's actually like one of the most profound ways to move the relationship in the direction you want it to go is actually to be honest about where you want it to go. Like it, it's, it's so powerful and you lose nothing in doing that. Like you, you lose no respect, you lose no dignity, you lose no power, you lose nothing in your honest communication. What causes you to lose your power is when you communicate about it, but you then hand your power over to them in that communication. So I want to, I want to talk about really both approaches today and, and really really explore this from a few different angles because, you know, I remember like in the past, I wanted to share this today. There was, um, there was a workshop I was in and there was a woman in that workshop and this was, I don't know, I was maybe 24, 25 years old at the time. And there was this woman in the workshop. She and I ended up being really, really close friends. Like we were, we were friends for 
few years. We were really close. We would hang out all the time. We would talk frequently. We ended up being super close. And she and I, 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 I was trying to remember the context in which this happened. And I, I can't even really remember it. But I remember we were having a pretty deep conversation. And, and she had, like again, I can't really remember the details of what we were talking about, but I remember she had asked me something and, and the answer I gave her, and you know, even looking back, like I'm not proud of this, but it was just, it was where I was at the time. And I remember saying to her that I feel like if someone is interested in me or if someone likes me or if someone wants me, that they will then diminish themselves for me. And she said to me, she goes, well, that's kind of fucked up. And I was like, you're right. That is kind of fucked up. And like, this is the first time that idea had ever become conscious for me. You know, prior to that moment, it was just kind of this idea that was like lingering back in my subconscious somewhere. And maybe it was an unconscious expectation of relationships. And, and maybe that's why a lot, one of the reasons why my relationships at that time in my life were like really difficult and dysfunctional. But, you know, I, I was thinking about like, well, where did that come from? Where did I pick that up? This idea that if somebody likes me, they will diminish themselves for me. And on the same note, I could, I could say the reversal would also be true is, you know, if they will do it for me, then I will also do it for them, right? So if I like someone, then I'll diminish myself for them. If they like me, they'll diminish themselves for me. And I'm like, well, where did this idea come from? You know, like really like I'm trying to think. And, you know, I, I think back to even when I was young and I saw the kinds of dynamics that my mom was going through when she, when I was younger and whether it was whether it was you know some guy who wanted to be with her or her wanting to be with some guy but but there was always kind of like somebody had the upper hand somebody was kind of calling the shots and the other person was trying to earn that approval and if I look at my dad who you know th those of you who have heard me share about my dad he's a little bit of a toxic nightmare <laughs> but you know if I look at the kinds of relationships he had it was like it was like he was completely overpowering, called all the shots, like completely dominant, completely controlling. And he would end up in relationships with people who would kind of pander to that. People who would tolerate and, do, and basically be at his mercy in a certain way. And my dad, I, I think, you know, he had so much insecurity and, and so much unworthiness that he couldn't handle a relationship with someone who was any different than that. It just, you know, he needed that in order to feel okay in the relationship. And so, you know, this is where I learned about relationships, obviously. I learned about it from my parents and, and watching what they did. And then I had my own experiences. And I remember like, you know, being in like middle school, being like 12, 13 years old and having girlfriends and boyfriends and things like that. And, and I remember like the kinds of things that would happen where when I really liked a girl and you, like I remember one person in particular where, and we're kids, I mean, we're like 12, 13 years old, but you know, it's like she would she would break up with me and then go date one of my friends. And then I would be like, so like crushed that she didn't want me and she wanted my friend instead. And, and then it was like, she had all the power. She was kind of calling the shots. Right. And so I, I look at, I look at, you know, some of these early experiences and what I observed growing up, even like just as a kid being unconscious and just observing these impressions and taking them in. And then I look at, you know, some of my early relationships and, you know, preteen teenage years and how, you know, this dynamic of one person always having the upper hand 
one person always kind of calling the shots. And like, I remember with my, with my high school girlfriend, uh, I'd say like my first love, so to speak, who, you know, cheated on me and dumped me and broke my heart. You know, it was, it was really interesting where it's like for a lot of that relationship, I felt like I had the upper hand. I felt like I was kind of in control of that relationship until she cheated on me and dumped me. And then I was like, oh my God. And, and I was like, just so devastated. And then, and then I was like begging her to get back with me. And it's like the roles completely reversed and she had the upper hand. But I, I think, you know, these, these kinds of dynamics, they, they are something that maybe we observed with our parents to a degree. They're something that we, in our early years, especially like in middle school and high school, when we're starting to date, starting to have boyfriends and girlfriends, there's very much like a, a lot of game playing happening, a lot of manipulation and, and control dynamics happening. And I think it's just part of being a teenager and part of being in that stage of life is why that happens. But then I, I don't think we really outgrow that most of us moving into adulthood. I think when it comes to intimate relationships, we revert back to those old dynamics, you know, in other areas of our life, we go on, we have careers, we raise kids, we buy houses and cars. And, you know, we, we do all kinds of big adult stuff in our lives, but underneath it, when we start becoming intimate with other people, when we start getting below the, below the surface of how we, how we operate, and you know how we present ourselves to the world day in and day out when we start getting below the surface of that we start getting into these vulnerable places where people can really touch us people can really hit those sensitive parts of us we start reverting back to these control dynamics we start reverting back to these like adolescent behaviors where we feel like we can protect ourselves where we feel like we have control and so I say all of that to say that this feeling of when I like someone, I give them my power. I think it comes from what we learned in early life, right? It comes from what we learned in, you know, those younger years, again, maybe observing our parents, maybe being in our early middle school, high school relationships, but we pick up these impressions, we pick up these dynamics and then when we become intimate with someone, when, the, when there's something at risk, when we become vulnerable, there's a, a reverting back to that because there's a, familiarity, there's a familiarity in it. There's a safety in it. But, you know, just simply put, it doesn't work. And, and like with all the things we talk about here, I mean, the, none of these patterns really work. They, they destroy relationships. They don't create them. And you might meet someone who, you know, maybe fundamentally there's a lot of potential there. Maybe you want the same things. Maybe you have a strong attraction to each other. Maybe there is some possibility there. Fundamentally, there's some potential. But then we revert back to these old familiar dynamics and we sabotage the relationship. We destroy the relationship. So what's going to happen when you meet someone and you like them and you give them your power, right? It's like, I like you. So now I'm going to start trying to prove myself to you. I'm going to start trying to keep you around. I'm going to start trying to uh, compromise and, you know, maybe diminish myself in certain ways to get your approval, to get you to want to stay with me, to get you to, you know, want to be with me. But 
when we start diminishing ourselves like that, what's going to happen is this person is going to lose respect for you in the relationship. So it's, it's a, I mean, it's a really weird paradox because all the things that you're doing to try to get them to like you, to try to keep them around, to try to make them not want to leave are actually causing them to lose respect for you. They're actually seeing you. The more you diminish yourself in relationship with them, the more they are seeing you as not an equal partner. And so what happens is you really open yourselves up for two results here. One, you open yourself up to be taken advantage of or manipulated because now this person thinks, okay, I have them on my hook. I can kind of do whatever I want. I'm just going to play with them because I have nothing better going on. Not interested in, you know, like I just, I have nothing better going on and there's no one else in my life right now. So why not just keep this person around and play with them until I get bored? That's one option you're opening yourself up for. The other option is they're going to leave because they're going to say, you know, I really do want the real thing. I really am looking for like my real life partner, but this person is showing up in a way where I don't have a lot of respect for them. And so I'm just going to leave because I'm not taking them seriously as a partner. So when we diminish ourselves in relationship with someone else, we only open ourselves up for one of those two results to be manipulated or to be left. And fundamentally, the reason we're opening ourselves up for that is because we're not commanding respect in the relationship. Now, the other kind of flip side of this, and this is, this was the old advice and people would say, oh, we'll play hard to get right. Or any version of play hard to get. So act like you don't really care or don't text them back too soon or wait three days to call them or all these, all these, uh, I mean, this is like the old school dating advice, right? When you would Back in the 90s when you would get dating advice, this is the kind of stuff they would say, right? And the idea is that by playing more of that avoidant role, making yourself seem less available, making yourself seem less eager, seem less interested, that you would create a certain intrigue or mystique around yourself, that this person would say, wow, they, they must be a really cool person because they're not so available for me. They must have a lot going on. A lot of people must want their time and their attention. And you'd create some kind of insecurity in that person that would make them be more interested in you. And yeah, that, that can work to a degree, but I, I think the biggest problem with that kind of thing, that kind of approach is that ultimately you don't do it perfectly because it's not real. And so what ends up happening is there's kind of a vacillation where you go back and forth and you know, one day you're playing hard to get and you're like super cool. And the next day you're like freaking out and you're like, you, you know, you're, you're trying to get their attention or, or trying to prove yourself. So, so what ends up happening is you like vacillate back and forth between this hard to get thing and this, you know, needy thing. And, and ultimately over time, it becomes very clear that anytime you were playing hard to get, it was just an act. And, and the truth is that you're really kind of desperate for their attention or desperate for their approval. And then eventually it leads to the same result where you either open yourself up to be manipulated or left because, I mean, in the long run, the same truth comes out is that you are showing up as desperate. You are showing up as deeply in need of something from them. So neither of these approaches work, right? The, the old manipulation games and playing hard to get and all this stuff, like none of it really works. None of it really creates a, a real connection because what you're doing is you're, you're building up barriers in the relationship to 
it actually creates a disconnection. I mean, it's, it's the most illogical thing in the world is that I'm going to create a bunch of barriers around myself to try to connect with someone. I mean, it's, it's the most illogical thing in the world, but it's what we do when we're in survival. It's what we do when we're afraid. It's what we do when we're scared. So I want to talk today about what does work. And I want to talk specifically about the ways in which we can communicate that work really well. So I want to just start with this is, is that I put up a video last week um, and I was sharing three things my wife did in the beginning of our relationship that really just made her stand out from any other woman I'd ever met in my life. I had never had a woman who showed up with me with such an incredible balance of like vulnerability and power. And you know, it was like this, this complete energy of like honesty, authenticity, like vulnerable, like being vulnerable, like, you know, like not trying to hide anything, not trying to protect anything, not holding anything back while at the same time, completely maintaining her power. And this was something that I think to a degree I had intuitively grown into over the years. And I was in, in a lot of ways showing up like this myself, but I had never seen it reflected back to me until I met my wife. You know, like I remember even, even women I met who were like very powerful, they were, and, and you know, I would, I would respect that because I'd be like, wow, this is an amazing woman. She has her life together. She's like doing awesome things in her life. Like, I love that. Like, I, I love that she's, I love that she's killing it. Like I, I found that very attractive about a person. But even a woman like that, when I would start getting to know her, it would be like there were these big walls up and it would be like, you know, she was almost too powerful. I don't, I don't want to, I don't really think there's a such thing as too powerful, but, but it's almost like, you know, there was no vulnerability. There was no space to really connect because it was like too far in the other direction where it's like, I don't need anything from you. Right. So there's, there's like the, the one spectrum of like, I need so much from you. And then there's the opposite end of the spectrum of, I don't need anything from you. And so it's like, well, I, I like you. I think you're an awesome woman. I, I think you're incredible. Like I, I, you know, you're, you're an incredibly valuable person. You, you clearly do amazing things in your life. You're living an amazing life. I find all of that very attractive, but I don't know how to connect with you. Like, I feel like you have it so much together that there's no space for me in your life. Right? So these were like the two kinds of extremes that I often, ex I often experienced. My wife was the only person I had ever met who blended these extremes where there was, yes, she was an amazing woman doing amazing things with her life, very empowered, very confident, very, you know, living a really amazing life. And, and I respected her for that. But then there was also this like honesty about how deeply she wanted a relationship about how deeply she wanted, I mean, not. Not that she wanted to be with me in the sense of like, oh my God, you're the one I want to be with you. No, she was actually very clear. Like, I don't really know if I want to be with you. But what she was honest about was, I really want to find out. I really want to find out what potential we do have. I really want to find out where this could go. And so it wasn't this like all the way to the other extreme of like, oh my God, you're the one I finally found you. I want to be with you so badly. It was more like, I really like you. I really like the way you treat me. I really like the way you are with me. My whole life, I've been looking for a relationship in which like these qualities were present. 
I've been looking my whole life for a partner in which these qualities were present. And the fact that I'm seeing them and feeling them and experiencing this in our relationship, that gives me a lot of hope about what could be available for us. But I'm not completely sold was kind of where she came from. And I, I think a, a huge part of my coaching and what I have understood really works in creating an authentic relationship, I learned from her in the early days of our dating because she was somebody who had been through the ringer a little bit. She'd been married and divorced once already. She had been, I mean, in and out of a bunch of relationships with different kinds of guys. She'd experienced a lot of what she didn't want. And she was really clear that like, I'm not open to subjecting myself to, to that kind of stuff again. And she was also very clear, like if I'm going to commit to someone, if I'm going to commit to like long-term, if I'm going to get married again, like I'm going to really be sure that this is someone I, I really truly see that possibility with. And I'm not going to like, I'm not going to get there prematurely. And I'm not just going to let the fact that I'm attracted to someone or let the fact that I have strong feelings for someone or let the fact that, you know, we're spending a lot of time together or any of these things get me off of what I know in my heart is, is true and right for me. And so I, I think like that is really the thing that we all want to grow into is exactly that. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to pretend anything here. I'm not trying to make you think that anything is different than how it actually is. I'm not trying to play any kinds of protective games. I'm not trying to control you in any kind of way. I'm not trying to push you into anything and, and any, any kind of thing like that. But I'm also not an easy sale. If, if we could put it that way, right? Like I'm not an easy sale. So, so yes, I like you. Yes, I, I have feelings for you. Yes, I, I do see the possibility of this going somewhere. Yes, I would like it. Like, you know, in, in, in an ideal world, if, if I could have this all work out the way I want it to, I would love it if we could really get on together and we could live happily ever after. We could create that dream. Like, I would really love that. And at the same time, you're going to have to sell me on that. Like you're going to have to enroll me in that. You're going to have to show me, like you're going to have to earn my trust in that respect. You're going to have to show me the promise of that. Like I'm not just going to, I'm not just going to make myself available for all of that with you because I like you. And so going back to what I was saying earlier at the beginning of this is there is no loss ever in communicating how you feel about someone. You just, you cannot lose that way. As long as you don't give your power away when you do it. Now, there are some people out there that if you tell them you like them authentically and vulnerably, they're going to get a big head about it. It's going to boost their ego. They're going to be like, oh, she likes me or he likes me. Okay, I, I got this now. Like, it, It's going to boost their ego. They're going to get a big head about it. There are people out there that are going to get that way. Let them get that way, right? Because what they are showing you when they get that way 
is that they don't have the maturity to build the kind of relationship that you're trying to build. Like you can't be so afraid of somebody else thinking they have the upper hand because the truth is if they think they have the upper hand, they're going to start behaving in ways that show you that they think they have the upper hand. And that's going to signal to you that, oh, okay, I see the kind of game they're trying to play here. That's not the kind of game I'm trying to play. And that's going to give you the opportunity to, to dive in and have conversations with them. And what's going to happen is this upper hand that they thought they had is going to disappear real fast. And they're going to realize, oh shit, like I thought I had the upper hand because they told me they liked me and I thought I had this, but now they're showing up in different ways that show me like, oh, I, I don't really have this, right? Like now they're, now they're actually making requests of me. Now they're asking me to step up for them. Now they're asking me to show up for them. And now I'm realizing like, oh, wow, like they like me, but I could still lose them. They like me, but they're still willing to walk away from this. They're still willing to lose me. And so now I'm in a position where I have to choose how much this relationship really matters to me. And if all I was looking for was some easy person that I could have on my hook, that I could keep around for a good time, that I could string along, if, if that was all I was interested in, well, then the truth is I'm not going to rise to that challenge. I'm not going to step up and earn this relationship. If, if that is all I was interested in, then I'm just going to let it go. But if I'm actually interested in more, if I actually see something with this person in this relationship, if I actually see the possibility to have what I really want in my life, then I'm going to start getting to work. I'm going to start being like, okay, I better really show up for this person. This is a high value person. This is someone who really knows what they want. They're not fucking around. They're not wasting their time. They're not going to be mistreated. They're not going to allow any kind of disrespect. They're not going to allow me to just string them along with no commitment. This person knows what they want. They know what they're looking for. And they're trying to see if I can offer that to them. That puts me in a position of having to get really clear about what I want and decide if I want to show up for you. And the, the message that I really want everyone to hear today is you cannot be afraid to put people in that position. And I think one of the biggest reasons we don't put people in that position is because we're afraid that the answer is going to be no, right? It's like, if I really put you in the position of having to get clear about what you want and what your intentions in this relationship are and how far we're going to go, if I really put you in that position, you're going to decide, I don't really want to do that. And you're just going to let it go. You're going to let it drop. And then that's going to put me in the position of going, what was wrong with me? Why didn't they want me? Was I unworthy? What could I have done differently? Could I have done it better? How did I screw it up? How did I mess it up? And now we're back into the old stuff again. And so there's got to be like a, a willingness to let the person go. There's got to be a willingness to lose them. And I think one of the biggest things that throws us into the old dynamics, the old inauthentic dynamics, is that we want to hold on to people. We want to keep them around, even 
it, it, like, and it's so crazy, like even against their will sometimes. Like here's this, here's this person who shows up and they say, I don't want anything serious. I'm just looking to have a good time. I'm just looking to meet people. I'm just looking to hang out, you know, and we want to try to change their mind about it. We're like, well, I really like them. They're really attractive. I had a great time. They were really funny. It's not often I meet someone like this. It's not often I feel a connection like this. So I need to change their mind about it. I need to get in there and be my most amazing self and show them how great they are and show them everything they're missing out on so they will actually change their mind for me. And I can be that special one who is just so significant that they actually changed their mind for me. And so many of us are, are trying to be that special one that changes someone's mind. And like, let me tell you, you don't want to be that special one <laughs> because I'm just going to say this. Nobody is special enough to make somebody want what they don't want. Like, look, we, we are all incredibly special in different ways. We all have incredible gifts. We, I mean, every single person who will hear this message, I promise you, you have an immense amount to offer a relationship. Like there, there are aspects of you that are so amazing that when you get into a committed relationship with someone and you bring those aspects, you are gonna transform their life for the better. Their life is going to become better than it has ever been because you're in it and because of the gifts that you bring to the relationship. I promise you that is, that is there for everyone. We all have that. But if you share those with the wrong person, if you give all your best stuff to the wrong person, it's not going to be received the way you hope it will. It's actually going to be, it's going to be thrown out like yesterday's trash. It's going to mean nothing to them. They're going to disregard it. And then you're going to feel like your best stuff wasn't enough. And you're going to go, oh my God, I gave my very best and it wasn't enough. But it's because you were giving it to the wrong person. And so the goal going into any new relationship, if you're going on a first date tonight for anyone who's going on a first date tonight, or if you're going on a first date this week, or if you're in your first few dates with someone, some of you might be seeing someone right now and you're in your first few dates with them. If you're in those early stages right now, your goal should not be to keep this person. Okay, what do I have to do to keep them? What do I have to do to get them to call me again? What do I have to do to get them to want to see me again? What do I have to do? Like th th those should not be the kinds of things you're thinking about. Like your, what you want to be thinking about is how can I find out if this is the person that I really want to go long-term with? How can I find out if I align with this person on a values level? How can I find out if this person and I have a vision for the future that we can share? that we can co-create, that we can dream up and build and manifest together. How can I discover that? How do I need to present myself? What kinds of questions do I need to ask? How can I challenge them to step into this relationship to find out if they'll rise to that challenge?
And when you show up to a relationship like that, like there's, there's so much here because one, you're doing what's effective. You're doing what's going to work. Okay. Which is important. Like you want to do what's going to work instead of what's not going to work. So you're doing what's going to work and that's important. But then also you're showing up in a way where you are commanding respect in this relationship. And it's like, it's like the reversal where when we show up in a way where it's like, I just need to keep this person. I just need to keep this person. You're, you're actually showing up in a way where you're not commanding any respect. You're actually making yourself undignified for their benefit or to, to try to keep them around. And you know, it's, it's so counterintuitive and I get it because you know, we think, and we're so conditioned to this because of all the times that we've disappointed people in our lives. And when we disappointed our parents and they gave us that look. And, you know, if you remember, if, if any of you can remember being like a five-year-old kid who disappointed your parents and you see that look in their face and, and they're just so like, how could you? And like that feeling of like upsetting someone is just, it's like you want to die, especially as a child. It's, it's such a bad feeling. And we've become so accustomed throughout our lives to try to avoid that feeling at all costs that we don't want to disappoint anyone. We don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. We don't want anybody to be upset with us or not like us. And so we are resistant to challenging people and challenging relationships. But the, the, the paradox is, and, and I think partially because we live in a culture that is so people pleasing where everybody's like, just tell me what I want to hear. And, and, and most of our relationships are so shallow where it's like you buy my BS all by your BS. And we call that a relationship. And it's like, as long as you don't ever call me out on my BS and I don't ever call you out on your BS and we can just keep coasting like this, we'll have a great relationship for many years. Right. But the moment you start being honest with me is the moment I start hating you. And because we live in this people pleasing culture. And it's like the water we swim in and nobody ever wants to upset anybody else. You being the one who's willing to break that pattern, you being the one with enough courage to say like, you're probably not going to like this, but this is my truth. And I got to speak it anyway. That creates respect in a relationship. Like, I really want you to think about this. Like, if you figure what's at risk when you, when you speak, when you use your voice in a relationship, when you challenge a relationship, right? If you think about what's at risk, it's like you could lose the person. They could become angry at you. They could, in, in more toxic situations, like they could attack you. They could criticize you. They could, they could hurt you, right? Like there's, there's so much at stake when you challenge a relationship, when you take that risk. And when you do that, what you are communicating to someone on a subconscious level is that my truth and my, my authenticity is so important to me. It's so vital to me that I have to do it and I'm willing to risk everything to do it. And the moment 
the moment someone experiences you in that way, they get it that you are a high value human being. They're like, damn, this person, they really know who they are. They really know what they want. They're really not trying to pretend or bullshit or play any kind of games here. And it, it calls forth the same from them. Because now they basically have to match that or, or let the relationship go. And again, sometimes they will. Like, and, and I've said this, like sometimes people, they just don't have the maturity. They're just not in a place. They don't have the emotional IQ. They, they don't have like a great enough awareness to be able to really, uh, to be able to really understand where you're coming from. They don't value authenticity on that level, right? So, so there are people out there that are just not going to respond to this. They're going to judge you. They're going to maybe criticize you. They're going to maybe attack you. They're going to maybe break your boundaries or, or try to break your boundaries. Try to, you know, why are you being like that? Why can't you just be cool? Why can't you just be a little more easygoing, right? So they're going to, they're going to push you and try to break your boundaries. There are people like that. And so this requires a lot of strength. But what, what I want to say is like, there's, there's no, like you've got to choose to stand on one side or the other, because if you're not willing to push those weaker people out of your life, then you're also not choosing to be strong enough to keep another strong person in your life. Does everybody get that? If you're not going to be powerful enough to push these weaker people out of your life, then you're also not going to be strong enough to keep another strong person in your life. And so you've got to choose to stand on one side or the other. But, but the truth is like, it's hard no matter which way you look at it, right? So you can diminish yourself in every relationship and you can, you can belittle yourself. You can make yourself overly available. You can be overly accommodating. You can just try to prove yourself and, and appease and play into people's egos and, and get that approval and all of that. You can do all of that, but that's going to be a really hard life if you do that because you're going to never feel like enough. You're going to constantly be in relationship with people who are reflecting back to you the idea that you're not enough. You're going to constantly be questioning yourself. You're going to constantly be trying and working and pushing for things that never pan out, right? So that's hard. Like it's a hard life to live that way. And it's hard to live the other way, right? Because if you live the other way, you're going to be pushing people out of your life. People are going to call you intimidating. People are going to, people are going to tell you, why can't you just be more easygoing? Why can't you just be cool? Why can't you just relax? Right? So you're, you're going to spend more time alone because relationships are not going to come as easily for you because you're not playing into people's egos. So you're actually going to need to meet people who have a higher awareness. They have a higher level of consciousness, a higher perspective about life. Your relationships will be more meaningful but there will also be less of them, right? So this kind of like hanging out with all the friends who are not really friends, they're just like fair weather friends who are hanging out because it's easy and it's cool. And you know, like those people probably aren't gonna fit in your life so much, right? So, so some of those people are gonna fall out of your life 
and there's going to be space for new people, but relationships are not going to come so easily. They're going to come a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say rarely, but they're going to be more purposeful. They're going to be more intentional, right? It's not like I'm just hanging out with who's around. I'm hanging out where there's meaning. I'm hanging out where there's purpose. I'm hanging out where there's common value and common vision, right? And so your relationships will be more meaningful, but maybe less common. And so what I, what I want to say is both of these paths are difficult. One is immensely more rewarding. This one over here, the I'll diminish myself, I'll make myself overly available. Like this one over here, there's no real reward in it. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of suffering with no reward. This one over here is also a lot of work, fair amount of pain, fair amount of suffering, fair amount of struggle, but an immense reward. And so you're going to have challenges either way. You've just got to pick your challenge or you've got to pick your hard. Are you picking the hard that comes with a reward or are you picking the hard that comes with no reward? And I saw Michelle, uh, who was from the last inspired love program. And I saw you, you mentioned, you've heard all of those things from so many men. I get it. And actually in the next couple of weeks, um, I'll share this. So next week, um, I'm having my friend and coach, uh, Liz Haber on the podcast who she's a, a coach I've worked with for many years and just beautiful woman, human being all around uh, amazing person. And, um, I'm going to have her on to talk about embodying feminine energy to attract a masculine partner. And then the week after that, I actually want to do a session on masculine and feminine energy and polarity and um, so I want to, I want to start addressing some of these topics in the, in the coming weeks. But what I want to say is, you know, we're, we'll get into more of the polarity conversation in the next couple podcasts. I don't want to get too much into that today, but what I want to say is, you know, we, we have a lot of men in our world who are, I just want to say like strongly in their feminine. And I'm not talking about, you know, men who are more effeminate, like, you know, men who are gay or men who have more of a feminine quality. I'm not even talking about that. That's, that's one version of it. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm talking about straight men who appear macho, but they're actually strongly driven by their feminine energy, which prevents them from stepping up as a strong masculine force in the world. And so these more feminine men want women to chase them around. They want women to make it easy for them. They want women to be accommodating to them. And in fact, when a woman requires of them a strong masculine presence, they can't handle it. Like it's actually, it's actually intimidating for them. And it, what it does, and, and, on, and the truth is that most of these men are not even conscious enough to really know what's happening. So, I mean, you can't even, like, in a lot of ways, it's not even their fault. It's, it's just a natural result of their upbringing and, and the patterns that they become conditioned to, and they don't even have awareness to, to really know what's happening. But what, what ends up happening is when they, when they meet a woman who 
needs from them a strong masculine presence, it triggers in them such a deep insecurity because that's something they've never really been able to to embody or to own. It's something like on some level, they know that's a possibility for them, but it feels so far away that, that like they, the fact that they're not that and the fact that to like experience a woman who would want that or need that from them, it just creates such a deep insecurity that they almost have to run away from the relationship. And what I want to say for all the ladies listening to this is you've got to stop taking it personally when that happens with a man, right? Like you've got to stop thinking that there's something wrong with you because you require a strong masculine presence in your life. And there are a lot of men in the world who are just not able to live into that. And rather than internalizing that on yourself, like I'm too much or I need to be more, more easygoing or more agreeable or more, you know, like rather than, rather than like, you know, diminishing yourself to be less of who you are to try to accommodate for these men who are not able to handle who you are. Like, no, you've, you've got to continue, continue standing in your strength and your worth and continue affirming the, the amazing woman that you know that you are and recognizing that men who are not able to hold you in your power like that are just, you know, they're, you don't have to judge them or criticize them or, you know, I mean, we can get kind of nasty about that if we want to, but I don't think you need to go there with it. You can just say, okay, like these men aren't able to hold a woman like me. You know, these men, like their masculine presence isn't strong enough to hold me. And so, and so when, when I encounter that, I don't need to take it personally. I don't need to make it mean there's something wrong with me. I can just let that go. And again, in the next couple of weeks, when we have some of these polarity conversations, uh, we'll be able to get into this in a lot more detail. But, um, but going back to the topic, and the topic is, for those of you who maybe joined in a little bit later, the topic is that I like you does not equal a free ride, right? I like you does not equal have your way with me. No, I like you means just that. I like you. And if, if this relationship doesn't work out, I can handle it. Like I, I, can, I can really handle it if this relationship doesn't work out. I can let it go if it doesn't work out. And I would like it to work out. So I want to, in just these last few minutes, um, speak into like some specific communication around this, like how to bring these things up, how to talk about these things. And then I'm going to open up for some questions. So anybody who has questions, um, you can go ahead and write them in the comments. I'll get to questions in just a few moments. But I want to talk about some specific communication around this. So the, the contextual premise of this is that when you meet someone, when you're dating them, when you're developing an interest, rather than trying to play it cool or rather than trying to hold back or play hard to get or not act so interested, I'm actually suggesting a completely different approach. I'm suggesting that you come out and you be honest about it and you say, I like you. I would like this to go somewhere. 
There are certain things about this relationship that I like. There are certain things about the ways we communicate that I like. There are certain, you know, you've shared some of your values with me and I resonate with that. And I would like to build a relationship based on those values, right? So to actually come out and be honest about it, but to, instead of going all the way to the other end of the spectrum, where it's like, where it's like, I'm going all the way there and now I like you and I want this. And so I'm just going to hold on for dear life and I hope you don't leave me. Right? No, it's like, I like you. I want this and I have some standards and I have some boundaries and I have some requests and I would like us to work on consciously creating something together. Right? And I want to know if you can meet me where I am with these things. So, so let me, uh, let me talk about some specific communication around this. And I remember, you know, I'll share this, like, and I've, I've probably shared this many times on the podcast, but I'll share it again today is that, you know, the first weekend that I hung out with my wife and we ended up hanging out, um, few days in a row, actually, it was like, it was like three days in a row and we, we had connected the first day and then there were like two more days and we were, we just spent these three days together and then we were long distance. And so she had to go back to New Jersey and I stayed in Florida and, um, it was our last night together and it was about midnight and, um, I had, I had been hanging out at the place she was staying and I was walking to my car and she walked me out to my car and, you know, we had had a great weekend and we had, we had shared a kiss and, and, you know, there was, I mean, it was, it was really amazing. And I think we were both feeling something and, you know, I came out again, honest communication, like I'm talking about here. And I, I just asked her, I said, listen, I just really like to know if, you know, are you seeing this as a one-time thing or is this something you would actually like to explore? And she said her response was, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go home tomorrow. I'm going to be in New Jersey for three weeks and let's, uh, let's talk for these next three weeks and let's see where we are when I, when I come back down. Cause she was coming back down in three weeks and I was like, okay, sounds good. So like from, from like the very beginning, right. We established that there was like this mutual interest there. And it was also like, we didn't know what it was. We didn't know where it was going. We didn't know what it was going to become, but we cut through the game playing. We cut through the, you know, how do you feel? What do you want? What, what are you thinking? Do you like me? You know, we cut through all of that at the very beginning. And it was like, yeah, I would like to explore this. I would like to see what happens. Now, the next night I called her, right? I wasn't waiting like three days, like, oh, well, I don't want to seem too eager. I don't want to seem too interested. No, I called her the next night. And she answered the phone and she said, Hey, I was just about to call you. Right? So once again, like where there's this mutual interest being expressed on both sides, there's no like pretending anything here. And we talked every night for those three weeks and we had like deep, authentic conversations. And we talked about all kinds of stuff. We talked about our day. We talked about mundane stuff. We talked about things that happened at work. We talked about things we were thinking about. We talked about spiritual stuff. We talked about silly stuff. We talked about all kinds of stuff. Something else we talked about in those three weeks was the kind of relationship that we wanted to have. We talked about the kind of relationship we wanted to have. We talked about the possibility of if we saw that we could have that together, right? These were... 
these were like, again, first three weeks of our relationship. We're talking about all of these things, you know, and, and I really want to also acknowledge my wife and I want to, for all the ladies on here, I want to really, um, speak into this because, you know, me, I was like, I was like pretty much sold on her. Like, I'm like, here's an amazing woman. Like she's just, and, and she was like, uh, like she, I, I resonated so deeply with the person she was. I mean, she had been to India multiple times. She had spent like years in, in, uh, the box at the Bhakti center in New York. And, and she was just, you know, like, I mean, these were things that so like resonated with me on such a deep level. And so like the people we were, we just resonated so deeply and I was kind of sold on her right away, but I want to acknowledge her so much because she wasn't sold on me and she, she liked me and she did want this relationship. And, and I mean, look, you know, she, she was rearranging her whole life so she could come down to Florida and spend 10 days with me at a time. And she was, you know, I mean, booking plane tickets and rental cars and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, her commitment was there. And she was definitely into this just as much as I was, but she really held herself back emotionally. She wasn't willing to just get swept up in the feelings that we were having. She was like very much, I want to know if, if like I commit to this and like, you know, and if we end up like having a long-term commitment here, I want to know that this is the kind of relationship that I can rely on. And I just want to say that like that very fact alone earned so much respect from me that I was just like, you got it. Like, I, I get it. Like you, you want me to, to show up for you. You want me to show you that you're safe here. You want me to show you that you can trust this relationship and you're not just an easy sale. And if, if this relationship, like if it turns out like this relationship isn't meeting your needs, it's not like gonna, it's not gonna serve you long-term, like you're totally willing to let it go. You're not letting the fact that you like me just have you hand all your power over to me. And I was so impressed by that. I really was like, I had never, I, I shared this before, but I had never met someone who was that clear about what they wanted and that, that willing and that like able to, to remain in their power. And also at the same time, like I said, to balance it with the vulnerability. So we had conversations like, and I, I want to say some of our conversations were like, you know, she, she brought up to me that like at the time I was traveling a lot for work and I would be in North Carolina one day and then in Florida the next day and then in New York the next day. And, and I was, and I would be gone for basically a week at a time cause I was going away to do these seminars. Right. And so I would be gone for like a whole week at a time. And, and, you know, she shared with me like, and, and again, this is like first couple months of our relationship. She shared with me, she's like, you know, something that's very concerning for me is that is that, you know, you travel a lot for work, you're always gone. And of course that's okay right now. But I think about when I have children and I don't want to be raising a child alone. Like I want my partner to be around and it scares me that like, you're going to be gone all the time. You're going to be traveling. You're going to be all over the place. And like, I'm going to be like at home alone with, with a child. Now, like 
there's some nuance here because this was early on in our relationship. It wasn't even established that we were going to have kids together, right? It wasn't even established that we were going to be together long enough to have kids. But she was bringing this up, not as like pressure, as like, like I need you to change so you can be who I want you to be so I can have the life I want to have. It wasn't like that. She wasn't bringing it up in that way. She was bringing it up as something for us to talk about so she could feel safe about committing to this relationship. And so the way that conversation went is I was like, well, like, I really don't know what to say to that. Like, this is what I do. I love what I do. I mean, it's, I feel like it's my purpose and my passion. Like, I don't really know what to say to that, but I, I do believe there's a way to work it out. And like, this is what I can promise you is that if we get to that place, if we get to that place of, you know, we're ready to have kids and, and we're, you know, we're making that commitment at that time, we can look at my work schedule and we can see what, what can work. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll just start doing half as many trainings, you know, maybe, maybe I'll start doing trainings online. Like, and, and so this, this was the discussion we had. And, and she even said like, I don't need a resolution. Like, I'm not asking you to tell me right now exactly how you're going to handle this. She goes, but I just want to bring it up and I want to talk about it so I can feel safe about this aspect of our relationship. And what she wanted from me in those moments was what she was really asking is like, I want to know if you can be the like masculine protector and presence that I need in my life to make me feel safe. And what she was doing, and I don't even think she was necessarily doing this consciously. I think she was just being honest and authentic about what was true for her. But what she was actually doing was she was challenging this relationship to see if I would rise to that occasion, to see if I could meet these fears in a way that would make her feel safe and protected within this relationship. And by the way, it's so funny. I'm talking about her now. She just joined. So hello, babe. Good to see you on here. So like this is, this is so profound what I'm talking about right now, because I could have easily responded to her in those moments. Like, you know, like, hold on. Why are you talking about kids right now? We just like, we just started dating a couple months ago. And like, don't you think it's a bit much? Like, don't you think it's a little early? Like, I could have totally shot her down in those moments. And if I had done that, what I would have been communicating to her is like, listen, like, I'm not enough of a man to handle your fears. I'm not enough of a man to handle like your real considerations about this relationship. Like, if you want to be with me, you need to diminish yourself as a woman to just be this pretty little thing who like smiles and nods and says what I want to hear. And like, that's who I need you to be if you want to be with me in this relationship. Right? So again, like, I don't know. She wasn't like consciously setting out, like, I'm going to challenge this relationship and see if, if he rises to the challenge. Like, no, she wasn't doing that. She was just being honest about what was real for her. But what was happening underneath that, like her willingness to have that honesty and have that vulnerability was giving me the opportunity 
to show up as that man that she needed to have her feel safe in this relationship. And it's, it's because she was willing to be honest and be vulnerable about those things that she was able to have me show up in a way where I could provide the safety and the security that she needed that allowed her to want to commit to this relationship long-term. If she had held back, I mean, it, it may have come out in another way down the road over time, right? Like there, there may have been, there may have been other ways that this all could have happened. I'm not saying that was the only way it could have happened, but if she had held back, we wouldn't have had these conversations and we would have maybe gotten a year into our relationship and not really known the ground that we were standing on. And what I want to say is like, when you have these conversations with someone and they don't respond in the way that you might hope they would or you might want them to, it doesn't mean that you brought it up too soon. It doesn't mean that you are requiring too much or asking too much or being too much. It doesn't mean that. What it means is that you and this person are not on the same page. Like it would have been very easy for me to say to my wife when she was bringing these things up, like, well, it's a little bit early for that. Like you're talking about kids. Like we don't even know if we're going to get married yet. We don't even know if we're going to be together long-term. Like we're just exploring this right now, right? It would have been very easy for me to respond that way. But here's the reason I didn't. I didn't because I really, really wanted this relationship with her. I didn't want to lose her. Like I'm looking at this going like, man, this is one of the most amazing women I've ever met in my life. Like this is somebody that uh, of all the people I've ever dated, I've never met someone that I really thought I could spend the rest of my life with except, except for her. Like everyone else in the back of my mind, I, I, as much as I might've liked them and been enjoying the relationship and all of that, like I had some concerns. <laughs> like I didn't really think they were like a lifetime person. With my wife, I thought that. And so I'm like, well, I definitely don't want to make her feel bad for bringing this stuff up. I want to make her feel like she can trust me to bring this stuff up. I want to make her feel like she can bring this stuff to me and, and she can rely on me to be there for her. And so if, if somebody is not responding in that way, it's because they don't feel that way. And you can't be afraid to face the reality that maybe somebody doesn't feel that way. You can't just try to hold out and hope that maybe somewhere down the road they'll suddenly change and feel that way. In fact, like when we enable people's non-commitment, we usually perpetuate it. And when we challenge it, we sometimes will have them flip to the other side and go, you know what, I think I can get committed. And sometimes not. But when we enable it, we perpetuate it. So I, I want to say like the, the message here, the message here is to really be honest and authentic about, about what's true for you, about what's on your heart. If you have fears and doubts and concerns and, you know, 
talk about those things. Like find out if that person is someone who can hold you in that. Or are they someone who's going to shame you for it? Are they someone who's going to avoid it? Are they someone who's going to be unable to hold that? Like that's really, that's really the thing to do. And that's how you're going to earn their respect. That's how you're going to, that's how you're going to have them step up and be the person that you hope they can be. You know, I know my wife and she always said this and she's like, above all else, you know, above the fact that I liked you and I felt things for you and, and I enjoyed our time together and, you know, above all of that, which those are the things we usually base a relationship on, right? The fact that we like someone, we're attracted to them. We enjoy our time together. They make us laugh. Like usually when those things are there, we want to be with someone. But my wife said above all of that, the reason I chose to commit to this or, or the reason I felt safe committing to this was because of how we worked through our challenges. It wasn't all the good stuff that made me feel safe to commit. It was the challenges that made me feel safe to commit. And knowing that like, okay, we're going to go through a lot of challenges in our life, but if we can always work through them like this, I can feel safe. You know, the fact that we can have a good time on a perfect day and we can laugh and get on together, like that doesn't really mean much to me. I need to know how we're going to be on the bad days. And so, you know, I, I think the message here is, is to really own your truth and be honest about what you're feeling. Be honest about what you want. Ask the questions you want to ask. And at the same time, have your standards, have your boundaries. Require, their, like, there needs to be a certain level when you're getting to know someone that they have to step up to in order to be with you. There needs to be, like, something that when you're dating someone, it's like, I need to see them rise to this level before they have my commitment. They don't just get my commitment because they're hot and sexy and they have a good personality, right? That might get my interest, but that doesn't get my commitment. What gets my commitment is the fact that they have met me on my level. They have risen to that challenge. They have shown me that they can hold me in all the aspects of myself. That's what gets my commitment. And I think, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times men are showing up to relationships in this way. And I, I think it's okay for, for women to do it too. You know, a lot of times men are showing up like, I'm looking for a certain standard. I'm looking for a certain, you know, kind of person. I'm looking for certain things. And it's okay for women to do it too, you know? And in fact, I think, I think because a lot of times men show up to a relationship like that, when they experience a woman showing up in the same way, it, it creates a, it creates like, 
I see you as an equal partner. A lot of times that's where the respect comes from because it's like, you know, he's showing up going, I'm looking for a person who's like this and who's like this and who's like this. And, and he's maybe used to a lot of the women in his life trying to be all the things that he wants them to be. And when he meets someone who, who shows up and she's like, okay, well, I understand what you're looking for. I respect that. I'm looking for some of the same things. And, and yes, we can definitely work on that. And here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I need from you. Here's the man that I need you to be for me. And he goes, whoa, I'm not used to this. This is different. I like it. So I, I, I think there's, I, I think there's, a, yeah, there, there's a lot of room to grow in this area and to really, to really be confident about who you are, what you want, and to own it in, in, all, in all ways, the good, bad, and everything in between. Okay, so I'm going to jump into some questions now. I see um, we've had some good ones coming in, and I just want to dive right into them. So let me go back here. Um, okay, so Stephanie Joss Jockish, I hope I'm saying your name right. <laughs> um, my ex of seven years has appeared after a couple of months. It's been on and off since we parted ways about 10 months ago. I've been putting off having the talk and I want to make this work. Okay, so Stephanie, thank you for sharing this. And I just want to say right now, so I see you wrote, I want to make this work in all caps. Okay, now that right there is a little bit concerning for me. Okay. It's great that you want to make this work. I hope he wants to make it work too. But the whole spirit of everything I've been saying today and I'm going to come back to what I've said. It is not about keeping him in your life. And if you do that, you are ruining any chance of this actually working. Okay, so, so please, like, I want you to really let this sink in. If you make this about keeping him in your life, you are ruining the chances of actually having this work. Because yeah, you might, you might people please your way into keeping him around for the next couple years. But what you're going to lose is the mutual respect in the relationship. So the approach needs to be here that I would like this to work. It would be great if it worked out this time around. But what I need to know is if he's going to be the man who can show up for me. And so I'm not busy trying to keep him in my life. I'm busy honoring my truth, honoring my authenticity. You know, I would say for you, like, so you split 10 months ago. Uh, if, if I were in your position, I'd be like, listen, I'm really excited about what's possible for us. I'm really excited about, you know, us, us getting back together and giving this another shot. And I would really like this to go somewhere this time. I would really like it to work out this time. But before we even get too far ahead, you know, I think the two of us should really sit down and talk about what didn't work last time. And let's just be honest about it. Let's get it all out on the table. Whatever didn't work last time, the reasons we broke up, the reasons it fell apart. Like, I want to get it all out on the table. Let's talk about it. And honestly, like based on what shows up in this conversation, we might even want to go to therapy about it. 
and we might want to start like just really just really working on these issues so we actually can have a future. And if if he's not willing to meet you like that, then I honestly probably wouldn't even give this another chance with him. That might seem extreme. That might seem like, well, man, but like, what if, what if like it could work out and you're like making it so hard? Like, like, I mean, what if, what if I didn't make it so hard and I just made it easier for him and then it could work out? Well, like why make it easy? Why make it easy? I mean, like marriage is not easy. Lifetime commitment is not easy. Like, let me tell you something. Like my wife got breast cancer last year and I've shared this story many times, right? But my wife got breast cancer last year. She went through cancer treatment. It was like, it was like the hardest thing that either of us had ever been through in our entire lives. Okay. And if I was a, if I was a weak man, I would have left. And, and I'll, I'll tell you like in the, um, in the breast cancer groups that my wife is, is in and, and, you know, she, and she hears all these stories from all these people. Like, I can't tell you, it is so common for these women who are in relationships and then they go through treatment for their partner to leave them during treatment. And like, what I want to say is, is for my wife's benefit, like, thank God that she didn't make it easy for me at the beginning and not just for me, but thank God that she didn't make it easy at the beginning because when it came time to commit, she knew that I was the kind of man she could count on. And, you know, I I would say like life is hard. Like in, if you go through long-term commitment, like if you, if you marry someone, if you raise children with them, as you get older with them and maybe illness is a part of it or other things are a part of it, like you're, you're basically counting on this person to go through life with you, the ups and the downs and everything in between. Like, why would you want to make it easy for them? Now, I'm not saying to make it hard. I'm not saying to go out of your way to make it a nightmare for them. Like, of course, nobody's going to want to commit to that. But you don't want to dumb down the commitment that is real life. You don't want to, you don't want to pretend like, oh, we're never going to have any difficulties and it's just going to be a, it's just going to be a free ride our whole life together. And then as soon as you face real challenges together, he's like, this isn't what I signed up for. And he's out. That doesn't serve you. Doesn't even serve him. It doesn't serve anyone. So. Like, yeah, in, in getting back together with him, I would make it really clear. Like, look, I'm, I'm excited to get back together. I I love that we're exploring this. I really, in the deepest part of my heart, like I really, really hope this works, but you know, I want us to really get clear about what didn't work last time. I want us to know what we're going to do this time around to have it be different. And I want us to both be all in committed to working on that. And if we can't get on the same page like that, I don't really want to be in this relationship. I would rather, I would rather not try again with you and go try to find someone who, who can meet me on that level and we can work on that. So I I just want to send you so much love. And, and I know this is like scary and obviously you want it to work and, and obviously, you know, it would be, it would be so much easier if he could just be your person 
and you two could just get on together and you wouldn't have to keep looking. And like, I, I get that. It would be so much easier that way. But what I don't want for you or for anyone else who's going to hear this, what I don't want is for you to get back together with him. You go through another honeymoon phase. You, you know, you act like it's all well and good. You act like it's all cool. Like there's nothing to work on. And then, you know, six months from now, you start having challenges again. And then maybe you hang on and and you, you know, you do your best, but nothing has really changed in the relationship. And then two years from now, you break up again because you never resolved the issues that were there to begin with. So what I would say for you, for, for anyone who's going to hear this is like, this is really a conversation about self-love. This is about loving yourself enough to not put yourself in that position. Right? It's like it's like sometimes we trade in loving ourselves and we think we can trade in that self-love for the love of another person. I'm going to diminish myself to get love from you. And it's like I trade my self-love for your love. And we think that somehow that's going to amount to love, but but the truth is is like there was never really any love there to begin with. And so at the end of the day, you you might you might have all kinds of ups and downs along the way, but at the end of the day, your life is always going to reflect the contextual foundation which it started from. And if it started with self-abandonment, if it started with lack of self-love, then it's going to end there. And yeah, you might create all kinds of drama in the middle that make it seem like you have love for a day, for a week, for a month, for six months, for a year. But it is always going to turn around and reflect the foundational context that you come from. But the opposite's also true. If the foundational context that you come from is love and self-love is honoring yourself, loving yourself, having those difficult conversations when something's not sitting right with you, when you're afraid about something, when you want to talk about something important, like when you, when you honor that, when that intuitive impulse says, I really need to bring this up and you honor that, you know, this person may leave. They may walk away. They may decide it's not what they want. That may happen sometimes. You'll have all kinds of ups and downs in between, just like I said. But at the end of the day, your life will reflect the foundational context that you operate from. And if it started with love, it will end with love. But love requires courage. It really, really does. Love requires courage. So great. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, I, I really love the question or wasn't so much of a question as a share, but I wanted to speak into it. And, um, yeah, just sending you so much love as you navigate this and lots of, lots of love and best wishes for this, uh, rekindling of your relationship. You know, I really, really hope it goes somewhere for the two of you. Okay. Uh, this question is from Bianchi Yoga, one of my inspired love people. Great to, great to have you on here with me today. Um, the question is, do you think that once you stand for your truth with your partner and you break up, is there any chance that they're showing up again after they understood is reliable? Um, so actually, yeah, I I think that can happen. You know, sometimes you'll share your truth with someone and it'll feel like a lot for them and it will, you know, they'll maybe be like, I don't think I could deal with this or whatever. And then they go home and they think about it and they sit with it. And they understand like, oh, you know, you know what? Actually, I get it. I get it. It it really wasn't unreasonable. It felt unreasonable at first, but it's actually not unreasonable. I I get that, you know, she's just, 
She just wants to know what she can count on. You know, so if they get it like that and then they come back, they say, you know what? I've been thinking about this and it's, it was totally right for you to say those things and ask those things. And, and you know what? Yeah. Like I do think I can honor that. Like it, so it, it depends. And of course it's not always going to be the case, but sometimes it can be. And what I would say is very similar to the other, the other question I answered before where like the ex was coming back and getting back together. I would say the same thing. It's like, okay, like I'm really glad to hear that you've thought this over. I'm really glad to hear that maybe you think it can work. I'm really glad to hear that you're interested in that. And like, I'm open to exploring it, but let's talk about what's changed. You know, let's talk about what you actually do want and what we can work on together. Let's, let's see, right? It's like, so it's, it's okay. And and I always say this about exes, like when they come back and I mean, I don't think it's always a, you know, hard no when exes come back, people go through changes and, and they can learn and they can grow and they can think about, wow, you know, we really did have a great relationship and, and I wish I had been able to see it for what it was when I had it. And, you know, if, if I, if I had another opportunity, I would really do right by it. Like, you know, people can come to those realizations, but people can also just get lonely and start going, man, you know, maybe I can just get them back because I'm bored right now or I'm lonely right now or I feel like I need some attention or I need some connection. So I would say like, yes, it, it can work, but you've got you've to be willing to challenge it a little bit, right? And I keep using this word challenge and I don't mean, by challenge, I don't mean to be a pain in the ass or to be difficult or to be aggressive or to be hurtful in any way. I I don't mean anything like that. But when I talk about being a challenge, what I'm talking about is it's like you're not an easy sale, right? Like they, it's not just like, I thought about it, I'm back, so take me back now. It's like, no, like, okay, you've got to earn it. Like you've got to show me that this relationship means enough to you that you want to earn this with me. You've got to show me that it means enough for you that you're going to step into this relationship and really show up for me. And if I don't get that this relationship means that much to you, like I'm not going to be convinced. So that's, you know, that's the answer. And and I think, yes, you can definitely, definitely, definitely be open to it. You can definitely give it another shot, but just be discerning about it. Don't be an easy sale. It's not like, okay, free ride, doors are open. No, there's, there's no free ride. You earn your ride. You earn your place in my life. You have to bring enough value that, and okay, this is going to sound awful. Actually, it's going to sound pretty awful, but it's true. And this is just the reality of relationships. And, and it's going to sound bad, but it's true. We all have stuff. We all have parts of us that are difficult to be with. And the simple fact is, is that in a relationship, we need to bring enough value to that person's life that it is worth it to them to deal with our difficult aspects. If the value they bring to your life is less than the difficult aspects, 
That's not a healthy relationship. It's not a happy relationship, right? If they're, if all they do is bring difficulty to your life, if all they do is make you question yourself, question your worth, fear what's going to happen, you know, not know where you stand, not feel safe, not feel comfortable. Like if that's all they offer your life and, and, you know, maybe a few good times sprinkled in here and there, that's not enough. It's not enough, right? So they have to bring enough value to your life that it outweighs the difficult aspects of them. And yes, we all have difficult aspects, okay? I have difficult aspects. My wife has difficult aspects. They show up in our relationship frequently. We've got to deal with them. Sometimes we get in fights about them. It's just, it's part of being in a relationship. But we both consistently, day after day, month after month, year after year, we consistently show up to this relationship bringing enough value that dealing with each other's difficult aspects is a no-brainer. It's like we are, we are so clear about the value we bring to each other's life that dealing with difficult aspects, it's like, it, it doesn't matter. Like I, I love you enough and I value your presence in my life enough that when things are a little difficult, we'll work through it. We'll figure it out. We'll talk about it. We'll go to therapy. We'll do what we got to do. But the value is obvious. The value is clear. Okay. So um, awesome questions. And, and thank you for those of you who jumped in the questions. I see we got some more here. I'm going to get to as many as I can. I'll take at least one or two more. Um Okay, I want to take this question. Um, it's from Hold the Baby and says, does this all mean that a man holds you in that space by not shaming you? That's it. Um, no, it's not only not shaming you. So this is going back to what I was saying about, um, you know, when you're honest and vulnerable about these things with someone, when you tell them how you feel, when you tell them what you want, when you bring up those difficult topics, um, Shaming is one response. Another response could be, I, I hear you and I get it, but I'm just not able to, I'm just not able to offer that. Like I've, I've, um, this has shown up with many of my clients where, you know, they've, they've had these really deep, authentic, vulnerable conversations with someone and the, what the, what the man would respond is, is that just like, I get it. And like, I I totally understand. I totally respect that. I think that it's right for you to ask for these things. Like, I want you to have these things, but I'm just not in a place in my life where I honestly think I can be that for you. Right. Maybe I'm just too focused on my work or I'm too focused on my kids or I'm really, you know, I'm just coming out of a divorce and I'm just not in a place where I'm ready for another major commitment right now. So like there are other responses, but what you're, what you're looking for and what I would say the green flag is here is when you share these things with someone, it's like, it's like, okay, I hear you. I honor it. I want you to have this and I want to be the one to provide it for you. So if we, and again, we'll, we'll talk more about polarity in the next couple of weeks, but, um, but in, a, in a polarity conversation, like the masculine role is the role of provider, 
right? And it doesn't mean necessarily, I mean, especially in our modern world where a lot of times a woman will make more money than a man. So it's not about providing resources necessarily. I mean, in this day and age, most women are capable of providing for themselves, although sometimes it is about providing resources and that's okay too when it does show up that way. But what it's really, what, what the provider energy is really about is about being able to hold you and care for you in all of your experiences, right? So it's, it's like his, I remember a buddy of mine, his name's Michael and he's, um, he's actually a men's coach. And I remember I was, I was talking to him about this and, and he was saying to me, it's like, you know, what it really means to be a man is like, whatever your woman brings to you, you have the ability to hold it. Right. So she could be afraid. She could be sad. She could be freaking out about something. She could be, you know, needing something from you. Like she could be going through something else in her life. She, like she could be all of the, you know, any range of emotion, any range of experience. But like what it really means to be like an honorable masculine man is to be able to hold whatever she brings to you. And so I, I think, and you know, when we talk about the, the greatest feminine need is safety, right? Women, the, the greatest need in a relationship is to feel safe and, and secure in that relationship. And what, what women need from men to feel safe, and if I'm wrong about this, ladies, please let me know because I definitely don't want to be sharing untruths here. But in my experience, what women really need from men to feel safe is they need that person who no matter what they bring to the table, he's able to meet them there and he's able to hold that, right? So going back to the example I shared with my wife, she's sharing about like, you know, it scares me that you travel all the time for work because I'm afraid like one day we're gonna have kids and if we have kids and then I'm at home raising a kid by myself and you're gone all the time, like that's not the way I envision my life. That's not the way I envision my family. I don't wanna be alone with my kids. Like I want my partner to be there and be a part of our life. And so she's sharing these things with me and I could have, I could have been like, well, I get that you feel that way, but I just don't think that's something I can commit to. Right. Or, or I get that, you know, uh, why are you bringing this up? Don't you think it's a little early on in our relationship to bring it up? So had I responded in ways like that, I would have been saying to her, like, sorry, I can't hold these feelings that you're having. I can't hold these fears that you're having. Right. But, but what I said to her was, okay, well, I, I don't know how this is all going to work out. You know, it's kids like are definitely a ways down the road for us. It's, it's not going to be at least a few years before we are ready for that. But what I, what I can promise is this, is that when we get there, we'll talk about it. And, you know, I can make arrangements with my work, whatever I need to do to be able to be more available if that's an issue at the time. And, you know, when, when we get there, we can look at the situation and we can find a way to make it work. You know, I want to be part of my family too. Like I don't want to be gone from my family. So, so I was able to, you know, not offer a solution, not fix it for her, not say, okay, I'm going to quit my job and be hundred percent available for you all the time. You know, she wasn't asking for that either, but what she was doing was she was expressing a vulnerability. She was expressing a fear and she was looking for whether she knew it consciously or not. She was looking to find out if I was going to be able to hold that vulnerability and to hold that fear, or if I was going to 
not be able to in some way, whether that's to shame her, attack her, deny her, avoid, right? So she was, she was looking to, she wanted to feel into how I would respond to that. And the way I responded to it created trust in our relationship. It created safety for her in our relationship. Had I responded differently, it would have created an unsafety in our relationship. It would have created a feeling of, I don't know if I can trust this. I don't know if I can count on this. And just to, just to bring it full circle, you know, in a, in a less empowered level of consciousness, me letting her know that I can't hold it would have activated in her the need to like prove herself, right? In a lower, less empowered level of consciousness, me being that not powerful masculine figure for her would have caused her to try to earn that from me. Okay, if I do more for him, if I prove myself more to him, then he'll be that for me. In a less empowered level of consciousness, that's where we go. But if, but what she did was she was able to hold her power. And so she was coming at it more like, if, if you can't meet me here, then I don't really know if I can be in this relationship. Just to, I wanted to bring it full circle to give it the contrast there. So great question. And thank you for, thank you for asking that. Um, okay. Delightfully esoteric has a question here. How do you gauge if your standards are too high or unrealistic? And I just, I wanted to touch on this. This will probably be the last one today, but I definitely wanted to get to this one because it's, it's a, it's a great question. And I know like this really is the crux of the issue here, I think, because if you knew for a fact that you were being completely reasonable, if you knew for a fact that, you know, that the problem was the other person's and not yours, I think you would have a lot more confidence. But the reason and, and what really destroys our confidence is that when I bring something up, I talk about what I want in a relationship, I talk about the future, I, you know, I talk about any of and all of the above. And when I bring something up and I don't get the response that I should have gotten or that I that I wanted to get from the other person, then I start questioning myself and I start, I start going like, okay, um, I brought this up. They didn't respond well to what I brought up. Maybe I shouldn't have brought it up. Maybe it was too soon for me to bring that up. Maybe I'm being too pushy. Maybe I'm asking too much, right? So it's important to, it's important to be grounded in ahead of all of this before you even have a conversation, right? being clear about what you want, being clear about what you need from a partner and how you need a partner to meet you in a relationship. Um, so, so it's, it's important to be, it's important to be clear about these things. And what was I going to say? Um, so, so to answer the question about is, is it, how do I know if it's unrealistic or too much? I mean, I'm going to say 90% of the time you are not asking for too much. Like I think, you know, it's, it's hard for me to even say what would, 
what would be unrealistic or what would be too much? Because, I mean, I coach a lot of people. I have, you know, about 35 people in my program right now that, that I work with every week. I mean, I, I field hundreds and hundreds of questions that come in through Instagram. And, and I'm going to say, like, I cannot think of one time in any of these forums that somebody has been coming to me and I've been feeling like you're asking for too much right now. Like, I just, I just think it never happens. Nobody is ever asking for too much. Like, and look, there are people who are asking for too much, but they're usually the toxic people, right? Like the people who want you to be everything for them, but inconvenience them in no way. Like they're the, they're the people asking for too much, right? They're the, so and I see your comment here. You say, I have a bad pattern of expecting too much from myself and others. Okay. So I get that. And maybe there are, maybe there are some ways in which you could be asking for too much in the sense of, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of how to word this. Like in the sense of, you might want your partner to make everything better for you, right? You might want them to heal all of your insecurities or be able to attend to all of your insecurities. And this is something I've spoken about a lot is that you, you always need, um, you always need a space in the relationship for you to be with your own insecurities and your own discomfort and them to be with their own insecurities and their own discomfort. And yes, there's like a, you know, there's an overlap in the Venn diagram, right? Where there's a place where you can share about these things with each other. There's a space where you can support each other with these, but that is only helpful. The sharing and the working through it, it's only really helpful after both people have developed an ability to deal with this on their own to some degree. Right. So you might have your own therapist or your own coach or your own work that you're doing. You might have things that you're working on on your end that are helping you deal with some of these feelings and some of these fears. Right. And then and then there's also once you have some degree of your ability to deal with it, there's a space to bring it to your partner and to share with them. You know, you said this or you did this that made me insecure and, you know, maybe they can work on doing less of that or they can work on doing more of what's going to support you. And, you know, there are definitely ways to like compromise and, and meet each other in the middle in a relationship. But, you know, if you're, if you're making your partner responsible for your experience or wanting them to solve your experience or wanting them to be the one to always make you feel better about things. And that can also, that can also spill over into when I don't feel something that I want to feel, I blame them or it becomes their fault, or I start making them the source of my problems. That, that one kind of works both ways, right? If I make them responsible for my feelings, then I also blame them for when I'm not feeling what I want to feel. So that could be a way in which maybe you're asking too much. Um, what I want to say is like all the, all the things we want from a relationship, like someone to be present, someone to be consistent, someone to be honest, 
someone to be attentive, someone to respond to my text, you know, with, within the same day at least, or, you know, preferably within a couple hours. They might miss one every now and then, but overall they're pretty responsive. You know, someone to like say good morning and good night or someone like, you know, these kinds of basic things that, that I think we all want in a relationship, like none of that is asking for too much. And, you know, I, I just, I really want to say like, if you're asking for too much, it, it should be, it should be obvious what those points are because they would be unreasonable points, right? They, they would be points where you are causing another person to take away from themselves in some way to be there for you, right? You're actually like your your desire and what you want from another person is actually creating such a, a situation in their life that, that it is diminishing their experience and the value that they can experience in their life because of you, right? So when you start getting into some of those places, that's where I would say you're asking for too much. And I'm trying to think of an example of what that might be, you know, like, I mean, I've never even heard anybody say this, but maybe there are people out there that like, you know, I want you to respond to me instantly when I text you. Like I want an immediate response or I want, um, I, I want you to, you know, like if, if you don't take it, like I want a good morning text from you every day, but you're not taking into account the fact that, okay, well I get up at 5 a.m. And, you know, I have 20 minutes to get ready and then I'm out the door and I've got to be to work by 530 and I'm basically on and don't have my phone on me from the time I get to work. Right. But you still like, I still want a good morning text from you. It's like, it's like there's this rigidity about what you want and you're not willing to take into account the other person's life and circumstances. Like, okay, in, in those kinds of domains, I can say, yeah, you would be asking for too much, right? So if there's a rigidity or an inflexibility or a lack of understanding or a lack of compassion around what you want, like, yeah, that's where you would be asking for too much. But in, in most cases and in, in most ways, the things that we want from people are not too much. And I see your comment here. You say, I hit the nail on the head with the first part that you're making him responsible for your feelings and blaming him for a lack of connection with yourself. Okay. So yeah. And, and I think that would be, that would be one of the common ways where maybe we become too much for people. And so definitely for anybody who notices that part of yourself where it's like, I want, I want you to fix my experience. Like I want to feel good all the time. And if I don't feel good, it's your fault and I want you to make it better, right? Like that, that is a, that is like kind of a red flag for yourself where you want to, uh, where you want to, um, uh, what am I going to say? It's like, that's where you want to like check in and say, okay, I really need to develop the ability to be with my own feelings and resolve some of this myself. And then having resolved it myself, at least to a large degree, then I can talk to my partner about it. Once I'm not so triggered, if there's, if there's, if I have a request for them, if there's something I would like them to say, if there's something I would like them to do, 
you know, in the future, I would like them to please handle things in this way or that way. I can make that request, but I'm not blaming them for my experience. I'm handling my experience. And then from a responsible place, I'm talking about how we can love each other more in this relationship, right? I'm talking about how we can like, like me, my expression is not coming from, I'm hurt and you need to fix my hurt. It's coming from, I realize I have a pain point and I've, I've investigated this and I've come to understand this and I've come to, to see my pain point and, and I've, you know, I've, I've learned a little more about it and having come to that awareness, this is how you can love me in our relationship, right? So, so a very different approach and it creates a very different experience in the relationship. But I want to, um, you know, I want to avoid getting off on too many tangents here. These have been some great questions and I think we've really touched on some beautiful things today, but to come back to, to come back to the topic for today and this idea of, you know, I like you is not a free ride. I like you does not mean you have my power. And when you can be honest about what you feel for someone without diminishing your power in any way, what will happen is you will lose the fear about being honest with someone. And I remember when I got to this place and it was, it was well before I met my wife. It was, I would say, you know, after my first few adult relationships, after making a few pretty big mistakes and getting beat up a few times. But I, I, I remember getting to a place where I just realized like, you know what? It is so okay to just be honest if I like someone. It is so okay that I just tell people what I feel for them. And they can feel however they feel about that. They can like it. They can not like it. They can want more. They can want less. They can want to move forward. They can not like... It's, it's okay for me to feel how I feel and it's okay for them to feel how they feel. But no matter what happens, I'm not diminishing myself in any way. Right? So, and I just remember that, that experience, there was just so much freedom in that. There was just so much freedom in the ability to just be honest about that. And that is, that is really like, if I had one wish for everyone, it would be for you all to experience that kind of freedom, that ability to be honest, to be authentic, to be vulnerable without ever diminishing your power. Right? Honest, authentic, and vulnerable. But within that, I never diminish my power. My power remains consistent no matter how honest I am. My boundaries remain consistent. My standards remain consistent. My willingness to leave or let this relationship go remains consistent. So that, that again, that's my wish for all of you is, is that you experience that freedom, you experience that confidence, you experience that power, and you start allowing your relationships to be created through that. 
Like let that be the underlying context out of which your relationships come. That's my wish for everyone. Okay, so sending you so much love. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, today. It's it's really been an honor being on here with you, and, and I've enjoyed the conversation. Um, next week, I want to share uh, next week's podcast. I'll be interviewing my friend and a coach of mine named Liz Haber. We're going to be talking about um, how to embody feminine energy and create that polarity to attract a strong masculine partner. I'm really looking forward to this conversation um, Liz is someone that I deeply respect and I've been, you know, again, have been working with her and, and, uh, lots of love for her. So, um, that'll be next week's episode. I do just want to let those of you who are live with me, I want to let you know that, um, that episode will not be streamed live. So you actually need to go, um, either to Apple or Google or Spotify or one of these platforms and you will need to, um, subscribe to the podcast to get that episode, but I don't want you to miss it. So, uh, yeah, again, for all of you who are with me live today, um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, again, you can find it on all major platforms and, um, that way you won't miss my discussion with Liz next week. I'll be back, but, uh, it won't be that episode. That episode will be, uh, will be on the podcast only. Okay. So sending so much love to everybody. Thank you for being on with me today. Um, those of you listening to the podcast, so much love to you. And thank you as well, and, and uh, sending you lots of love and wherever your journey takes you. I'll be back here with you next week. Uh, lots of love, everyone, and have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, at The Living Relationship, to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.